Um, let's begin in a, in a few moments of prayer. And then I'm going to answer the question, why was it important for Jesus to cast out demons? Okay. Uh, big question. Uh, I'm going to attempt that answer. And I hope that the Lord uh, will open some new things for us to understand and pray for the church. Uh, come join with me in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much, Lord, for these precious brothers and sisters who have joined me and those who are listening to me right now. It's never easy. Life is never easy. Uh, relationships are complicated. Nothing really goes the way we want it. And uh, when it does, uh, it doesn't last long, Lord. Father, we are thankful that you are our God. We're thankful that no matter what, we have you in, inside us and by our side. You promised us, Lord, I will never leave you alone. You promised I will go before you and I will make your path straight. You promised in the day of trouble, I will be with you. I will uphold you with a mighty arm. I will save you. You promised, Lord, that uh, no good thing would you withhold from us, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for all your promises, which are yes and an amen, which are yes and amen in Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you. And tonight we, those of us who love you and love your word, have taken time out and have gathered around you, around your word, in order to just soak it in and get something deeper, something richer, Lord, to take us to another place, another level of victory in our spiritual lives. As people uh, join us and those who watch later, let the blessing extend all the way to every last person who listens to this, perhaps even in years to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Once again, I wanted to say welcome. And if you are here for the first time or you joined uh, you know, our midweek refuel and you've never been with us, basically what I do is I come on live for about a for about 45 minutes. It uh, sometimes goes to an hour, but try not to keep it that way. And I look into deeper subjects, subjects that relate, help uh, answer questions of those who are mature in the faith, those who want to understand deeper things, those who are willing to ask the tough questions. And I, of course, am, I'm willing to try and answer those questions. Today, the question is, why, why was it important for Jesus to cast out demons all right why was it important for jesus to cast anyway, out demons let me let's get started all right let's get started we are in this huge question and i want to get something both theological out of it and personal out of it as always <clears throat> question why was it important <clears throat> for jesus to cast out demons now going into context jesus began a ministry and just before he began a ministry he went into the temple, he went into the synagogue, and he uh, picked up the scroll uh, and he read. It was given to him, literally, and even the passage was chosen for him. And he was just given the Bible reading for that particular service, which is, which is incredible. But the timing and the coincidence was just insane. So Jesus picks up the scroll, he walks up to the reading podium, and he reads Isaiah 61, where he says uh, that I have come that I might, uh, uh, and then he talks about the purpose for which he has come, to bring sight to the blind, to, uh, to uh, you know, release the captives from, from free, to, to, uh, to um, uh, uh, excuse me, my mind is not flowing right now, but to, to, to declare the year of Jubilee. And he, he quotes five things, and we call that the, uh, the five-fold ministry of Jesus. But here's the key thing. At the end of that, he said, 
says for himself, he says, today, these scriptures are fulfilled in your eyes. That means he reads scripture and then says, I'm your man. This is what was talked about for me. This is referring to me. And Jesus, people were aghast. People were amazed. And from there on, it began to uh, take off. Now, here's what what you you and I need to understand. Once Jesus began his ministry, there were two or three things that he was focusing on. Five five to be clear, but two or three things he was focusing on in terms of activity. Number one, he was preaching the new kingdom. He was preaching the kingdom of God. Number two, he was uh, was rescuing people from demons or deliverance ministry or or, uh, delivering people from being possessed by the wicked one or by evil spirits. So he was casting out demons. And the third thing is he was healing. Now, all three are pertinent. They are absolutely vital, central to the ministry that he was called to do. All three fall into the fivefold ministry that Jesus uh, had mentioned, which was in Isaiah chapter 61. What are they? Number one, he is bringing the goods. He will, his name will be Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. He will bring God's kingdom down. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. So he was announcing that the kingdom of God is here. So we want to we want to reiterate right up front and in the beginning that the ministry of Jesus and the activities that surrounded his ministry primarily were about bringing in a kingdom. Please understand this. Jesus was not a religious leader that was trying to start a movement. Jesus was not a, 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 a faith healer. He was not just another mighty man with, with power to be able to heal. His healing was saying that if sickness was caused due to sin and sin is forgiven, then healing in the name of Jesus. He was saying by casting out demons that this kingdom is come. This kingdom is come. And he was saying by... by um, preaching the good news that God now descended to be among us. So everything Jesus did, you have to see as a blow, as a blow into the territory of Satan. I want to say this before we begin, all right? Everything Jesus did, from healing a withered hand, healing a blind man, rescuing a man from uh, evil spirits, legion as it were, um, preaching the kingdom and people believing and not believing, all was part of a kingdom advancement into foreign territory, into the territory of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. It was about kingdoms. It was about these two kingdoms. And Jesus had come to reclaim what was his. Okay. So with that context, we dive into this verse. Because if I just read this verse, you wouldn't know the context. And I didn't want you to, uh, to, be, to begin that way. Okay. So that's where we are. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, 29, and 30. If you have it with you, that would be appropriate. If you have your Bible open, that would be great. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, uh, through to verse 30. Jesus is talking to the people, then he says, if I drive out demons. Now, the context here is the people are saying that you are driving out demons by the power of Beelzebub. That's the, the head of all demons, according to them. Okay? Uh, by Satan himself. By the power of Satan, you are driving out demons. Jesus says that's ridiculous. Why would Satan remove his own characters? Why would he fight himself? 
I'm here to tell you that I'm here to fight Satan and his, his, uh, his minions. I'm not here to support them. If I drive out demons, verse 28, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, capital S, by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Verse 29, how can, you, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder, of course, his house. Uh, he who is not with me is against me and who does not gather with me scatters. All right, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's go back to what I was saying before. The issue here is of kingdom rule. When Satan fell from heaven, God threw him down to earth and he was thrown into the atmospheric realm here around earth. Therefore, multiple times it has been spoken of Satan that he is the prince of the power of the air or this is his world or this is his place or, 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 or area of influence. John chapter 12 verse 31. Now judgment is upon the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. You see that? Judgment is upon the world and the ruler of this world will be cast out. Uh, uh, John 14 verse 30 says, I will not speak much more with you, Jesus says, for the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. I don't want to get into that expositorily uh, right now, but Jesus is making reference. These are Jesus' words making reference to the ruler of the world speaking about uh, uh, Satan. Now, in sovereignty, in terms of all of creation, all things are subject to God. And now we will prove that all things are subject to Christ too, all in all, eventually. But Jesus is coming in with his kingdom. Remember Jesus said, uh, so here this kingdom is ruled by this guy and he is about to be judged. Now judgment is of this world. Now the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. So I've come and I'm bringing judgment on the ruler of this world and this kingdom. But Jesus said to Pilate and others, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Do you remember that? My kingdom is not of this world. So Christ brought the kingdom here and he didn't bring the kingdom on earth. He just represented it for a period of time because he came to save you and me. So he was not saying that the kingdom of God is here. He's saying the kingdom of God is a. He was saying that the kingdom of God is at hand, if you believe, will rule, uh, literally fulfilling his promise to David that I will put my seed on your throne and he will reign forever and ever. He is the eternal seed. So, to understand, talking about kingdoms, that Satan has a kingdom and Jesus walks through that kingdom into the heart of the enemy's territory, save you and to reclaim is his. But in the long run, everything is, and in the overarching story, everything is subservient, everything is subject to God. That's why uh, Christ was able to say to Pilate, you can't do anything of yourself. Anything that you are able to do with me, take my life, whatever, you can't do it except that it were given to you by God. So Christ says, my kingdom is not world. And then he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. So it's not, I want to really get this. I want to drive this home today. It's not just about being good and evil. The world people is not about good and evil. It's not just about good works, bad works. It's not just about being naughty or nice. This is a kingdom light. This is a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness and Christ 
walked right smack bang into enemy, enemy territory. A realm we know little about, the kingdom of darkness, a realm we know little about, but we, I, you, will not that way. All right? So far, so good. It's not just about you being good or bad. It's not just about God at the end. There are kingdoms and there are outcomes at stake here. So that said, let's go back to the verse of scripture that we talked about. Two things we learn quite, quite immediately right after as we, as we get started. Two things we learn about this from this passage of scripture. Number one, Jesus casts out demons to prove the kingdom of God was now here. Okay, verse 28. But if I drive out demons, I love that word. If I drive out but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, capital S. So remember, Jesus drove out demons by the Spirit of God, and you have been given the Holy Spirit, and this work of the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. So just remember that. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, has come upon you. Has upon you. You, it is now proof. If I'm driving out demons, that there is a challenger in, 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 in the in the room. There's a challenger. There is a there's someone challenging Satan and his kingdom. There's someone here to advance against Satan and his kingdom. And Christ is announcing that. So number one, Jesus cast out demons to prove the kingdom of God was now here. Second thing which we want to give a little bit more time and attention to here, having laid that foundation, is number two. Jesus cast out demons to release us from bondage. Jesus cast out demons to release us from bondage. Here's the verse, and I'll go into some of the examples. How can anyone, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions unless he first ties the strong man up? Start again. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions unless he first ties the strong man up? Then, of course, he can plunder him. So when a person breaks into a house, the first thing he does, he ties him and then he plunders his house. He's talking about Satan coming into your life, binding you and bondaging you in some relationship or priority or pattern or emotional, physical or mental conflict. He got he binds you so that you are incapable and then he steals you. He steals from you. Satan is a thief. Satan is a liar. Satan is a deceiver. Satan is a thief. And that is very, very clear. But the principle here is first the strong man needs to be bound and then he can steal. So if you unbind that strong man, you, if you unbind the strong man, it cannot be stolen from. There are a couple of other means that we can attack this verse from, but basically this is the angle I'm going on this evening. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions unless he ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. Now he says, and then he goes on in the next verse to make uh, give it some more clarity. This is what I want to focus on this evening and talk about that. This is the reason we struggle to make critical changes in our lives reason you struggle to make critical changes in your life. There is an unseen force. There is something working against you. It's not as getting up and making a change. It's not as simple as walking out of a relationship that you shouldn't be in. It's not just as simple as, you know what, uh, you know, let me use my willpower. Let me just, you know, I'm going to be this. I'm going to do this, you know, and kind of, uh, this is not that simple. 
again, let me remind you, we're not talking about everyday people trying to accomplish dreams and goals and, 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 and reach uh, great heights of human spirit. We're talking about making radical changes for God's will and God's purposes to be accomplished in your life. We're talking to solid believers. We're talking to uh, who are bound and who are, uh, who are in the grip of Satan's uh, influence. We are, we're talking about mature people who understand that there are two kingdoms at play here. So how can anyone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions first? He's going to tie him up. So there are unseen forces and there are problems and there are challenges before a person can break free. And that is what we need to come to understand. It's not so simple. It's not so easy. You expect people to just get their act together. You expect people to just walk out of a sin. You expect people, once they have gotten into a, 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 a in their life or into a sin, deep into some sin, whether it's a relationship, a thought or a habit, and you expect them to just give it up all overnight and walk out of it. You have to understand that those actions, those things in our life, those are what the thief does. He binds the strong man so that he may plunder his house. He binds the strong man. All your life falls apart while you are caught up in this, in this act in this lifestyle, in this, in this priority, and in this uh, little battle of yours. Let me give you three things. Worldly opinion and influence. Worldly opinion and influence. Believers and unbelievers alike can be, especially believers, can be caught up in worldly opinion and influence. You can be a believer. You can love Jesus. You can know Christ. But Satan and the world can have a grip on your mind. I mean, look the amount of social mind and heart daily basis. So I wake up in the morning, you're scrolling. You go to bed at night, you're scrolling. You stay up late, you're scrolling. You can't finish a video because you want specific, and it is catching you. There used to be big bondages like drugs and stuff like that. No, no, we are stuck in mental bondage. We are stuck in thought bondage. We are stuck in opinion bondage. These are the areas and the ways in which Satan gets us. Worldly opinion and influence, that's how the strong man is bound. Bondage, that's how the strong man is bound. Emotional bondage. Emotional bondage. You give yourself to a relationship. You hooked up and now you can't let go it's not that you really want that person it's not that you really want uh, but now you're hooked you don't have the strength to do it like it's a strength uh, the, the, the emotional bondage of bitterness whoa that's something bitterness unforgiving spirit uh, the unwillingness to let go the desire for revenge the desire to be avenged the desire to see suffer or uh, at the, at, at any cost uh, because uh, you want to win the, the the desire to see someone else be brought down so that you can be raised higher come on don't think i'm talking to you only everyone here is in bondage somewhere or the other emotionally physically we are in bondage spiritually we are in bondage and we need to we need to understand that what the binding is it is prayer that sets us free. It is prayer that sets us free. When a strong man, he, he struggles with this and he powerfully breaks free. Prayer gets him that. Not willpower, mind power and all that nonsense. Prayer gets him that. So there is a part 
of the desire of the believer for victory and the power doing the same thing that he did with Jesus and through Jesus in his ministry. Today, also, he's setting people free. The third is we are trying in our own strength. And that is another bondage, another bondage. Satan will convince you you can do it on your own. You don't need God. You can do this on your own. First, get your act together. I mean, look at you. Look at what a hypocrite you are. Look at how many things are going wrong in your life. Look at the amount of sin in your life. You, what are you going to go to church or get involved in ministry or serve God? Come on, let's not, let's not fool ourselves. First, you get your act together and then you go back to God. You go back to church, go back. That's the lie. And now you're in bondage, the bondage of wanting to do it in your own strength. Okay. So those are the three things I want to share with you. Worldly opinion and influence, that binds you. These are the chains that bind. Bondage emotionally, physically, and spiritually, that binds you. And trying to do it in your own strength. Now, aside from hopelessness, despair, and suicide. Apart from, apart from hopelessness, despair, and suicide, Satan's play area, Satan's play game, Satan's, Satan's weapons of choice. The other three areas, we need, we need God to rescue come in with strength and force and deliver we need god to set the strong man who is bound free and then we will begin to see results three areas number one is evangelism people will not turn to god because it's not because they are hindu or muslim or jain or christian or what traditional non-traditional atheistic or uh, agnostic that's not why they won't turn to Christ. They won't turn to Christ because they are in the grip of Satan's power. Here's what uh, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Okay? But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Basically, Paul is saying, we don't mess around. We don't joke around. We don't use tactics. We give it to you straight and we give it to you like it is. And it's the power of God that comes you, not our, not our, not our dress and not our style and if our gospel is, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing okay if you cannot for those who cannot accept the gospel those who don't understand those who don't see the light is veiled to those who are perishing okay in their case look at what in their case the god of the there you have it they have it small g God's world has underlined, blinded the minds of the unbelievers. It's not that they just won't believe because they're not convinced. It's not that they don't they, 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 they won't believe because they weren't born in that. They don't believe because they have been bound. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Why? Because in their case, Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Why? To keep them Ooh, to keep them from seeing the light. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The gospel is the declaration that Jesus is the image of God, the only one to come from the Father. He is the one and only and complete revelation of the one who has never been seen, the God who has never been seen. 
He is the one. And to be able to see that, get it, you say, yeah, I see that. To be able to see that, you need for God to reveal it to you. And Satan blinds you so that you cannot see that. Now all the argumenting, argumenting uh, arguments and all the, uh, uh, you know, the thing will not do any good. God has to open the eyes. God has to kick Satan out of the way. God has to allow that veil to be lifted. And when the veil is lifted, boom. When the veil is lifted, in a moment, people will come to Christ. People will come to Christ. We talk about apologetics and answering questions and debates and, uh, and uh, going back and forth, all of that. And then you think back onto those old times with Billy Graham and Louis Palau and all of these guys. They would preach hundreds and thousands. Why? Why? How did, how did they believe? How did you believe? Nobody explained it to you. Nobody, nobody uh, you know, proved anything to you. There was no big miracle. How did you believe? Satan, his veil was lifted. Okay, go back. Verse 4. In their case, the God of the world was blind to the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 5. But for, for what we proclaim is ourselves but we proclaim Jesus as Lord for with ourselves as the servants of Christ's sake for God who said let shine out of darkness for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give wait 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 go slow go slow for God who said let light shine out of the same God who in the beginning in creation said let light shine let there be light that God has said let light shine out of uh, the darkness of their hearts he says to the hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, you see the light of the knowledge. So light is knowledge. Light is not energy, light is knowledge. Light of the knowledge. Knowledge of what? Of the glory of God, who God is, what he is, the truth of God in the face and through the agency of who Jesus is, through the face of Jesus Christ. So Jesus reveals the glory of God, which is, uh, which is brought to your knowledge through the light that shines into the darkness. That is how the gospel works. That is how people come to Christ. So we're talking about three areas where God has to set people free or lift people up or remove the scale so that they can see. Number one is evangelism. Number two is habitual sin. God has to loosen us from Satan's grip. God loosen us from Satan's grip. He has to break the chains and let us go free. We can't get up. Look at what Romans 6 verse 22 says. But now that you have been set free from sin. You see that? You see that? Because they have been set free from sin. They don't just willy-nilly get up on morning and say, okay, from now on I'm not going to do anything wrong. From now on, I'm going to be a good boy. You can't do that. God has to set you free and have become slaves of God and benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Let me take you to one more passage. 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9. 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9. Be alert and sober-minded. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's constantly waiting He's constantly watching for that weak moment, that weak moment when he can zoom in, when he can zoom in. When I allow an unforgiving 
fester. When I allow sin to, to, to stay in my mind, some kind of a sin, an, an indulgence, a, a, a pleasure, when I allow something, Satan grabs that opportunity, comes in, and one time you sin, two times you sin, you're still thinking you can get over it, third time you don't realize you're bound. You don't realize you're bound. See, if one person puts a string around you once, uh, okay, no problem. Twice, hey, what's going on? Third time, you're bondage. You're in bondage. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, watching and waiting for you to fall. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So here we are very clear that Satan is using it. There is a power. There is a power at play. There's a kingdom at play. And habitual sin, habitual sin, binding, being stuck in a rut, being stuck in a habit, being stuck in a hang-up, cannot just be broken free on your own. You need the power of God. The third area. So God gives the power. God breaks a person free for evangelism, to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God is the one who sets a person free from a spirit, physical habit, emotional habit, spiritual habit. God is the one who gives you spiritual breakthroughs. You're, you're a believer. Are you ready for this next level? You're a believer. You're seeing mostly victory in your life. But God wants to take you to another level. Another level of, of, of revelation. God had 12 disciples, 70 disciples. Jesus had 12 disciples. Then Jesus had three disciples. And Jesus had one disciple. Uh, God had the people of God. Then he had the, the, the leadership of Israel. And then he had Moses. Or the people who had different levels related to God. And he said, Moses, he's my friend. Moses, he's my friend. He and I, we talk together like friends. And he brought him into his presence. And like the, he, he took the cloud and he covered it around like a little uh, private meeting room. God wants sometimes to take you to another level, to reveal himself to you. And as Paul prayed, I would that I would know Christ and the powers of his resurrection. As he prayed for the believers in Ephesians chapter 3, that you may know the length and breadth and depth and height of the knowledge and that you may be rooted in the love of God. God wants to take you to deeper places with him. God wants to take you to in, and you, he wants you to swim to the manifold wisdom of God and to know him and to understand him, to leave the fundamental and the, the elemental things behind you, to leave the flesh and all things and get into the depth of the knowledge of him and, and be found in him, uh, absolutely having a righteousness that is of Christ. So that is a spiritual breakthrough. That is next level stuff. And God has to empower us to check opposition and break through into victory. Okay, to be able to quickly, that's when we start go moving into a realm where we see how Satan works. We see that Satan is at work. We feel and see what he's up to. And we knock him and we check him right when he is about to start. We knock him and we check him right when he's about to start. We defeat Satan even before he starts thinking about what he wants to do. We catch Satan at, Satan at his game. We catch Satan in his own Those believers, that spiritual breakthrough is what God is talking about here. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. So the power of the Holy Spirit to lift you out of bondage and see the light. Evangelism, power of the Holy Spirit to lift your habits, hang-ups, and, 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 and hurtful uh, uh, history free from that. And power of the Spirit to give spiritual breakthroughs. All this, of course, assumes a spiritual and internal life. God is not promising any of this for you to become a wonderful 
engineer and 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 full fathers and dreams and come out with flying colors and all that stuff that they talk about which which seems which their life is about oh if they knew what they were missing out on if they knew what they were missing out on all this assumes a spiritual and internal agenda this does not apply to the common man not to the carnal believer it does not apply to one who does know there are two kingdoms and there's a victory at stake satan is primarily active in opposing the kingdom of god and his work on earth let me repeat satan is primarily active in opposing the kingdom of god and his its work on earth he is is not interested with average lukewarm believers he's not involved with most churches that will not talk about the gospel and the truth like it is where they are pandering to the feelings and the affections of people and where they are entertaining uh, sin at every level he will not he wants us to have spiritual breakthroughs god wants us to uh, see satan discern satan, pick up the battle before it started and kill it here's what he says 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 4 and 5 the weapons we fight the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world we don't lose the weapons of the world we are fighting a different fight on the contrary they have divine power our weapons have divine power demolish here's a word you want to listen to stronger now you're a warrior now you're in the game now you're a partner that was that's what makes sense of us of us uh 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 which was is that verse 30 he who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters okay that's verse 30 of the passage we read where are we we're talking about second corinthians 10 4 4 and 5 the weapons we fight are not of this world on the contrary they are they have divine power to demolish souls we demolish what arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god it's not a flesh and blood fight it's not a flesh and blood fight it's a fight for the mind and it's it's a fight for allegiance it's a fight for the mind and it's a fight for pride it's a fight for the pride of life and the and the fight for the mind that's why he said to the disciples you caught fish today congratulations come follow me i'm going to make you fishers of men that's a greek term for winning the minds of people okay so he says here we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god got it knowledge of god and we captive every thought and to make it a beat christ so the weapon raising is the weapon helping people the weapon of of destroying the arguments of satan to keep people from coming to christ the arguments of satan to keep people from getting right with god the arguments of satan from keep people from holding fast to their relationships and the purposes of god in their life okay that's it so what are what are the weapons the weapons are prayer the weapons are prayer and the word of god that is what we know and that is what we use let's close let's close what does god give a believer what does god give a believer god gives a believer discernment and deliverance write that down God gives a believer discernment and deliverance. Let me define discernment. Discernment is the birthright of a child of God. Discernment is the sharp edge of living in the spirit. I repeat. Discernment is the sharp edge of living in the spirit. When you are a person who's led by the Holy Spirit, 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, the number one thing that will mark your life is discernment. And what is discernment? Knowing what is of God and what is not of God. What's from God was not from God. What's like God, what is not like God. How God works and how God doesn't work. What is an answer from God is not an answer from God. What is a demand of God and what is a distraction from Satan. Those are the things you are able to quickly discern. Discernment is being able to pick up, being able to see through. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And he says, you will be able to see Satan in action much before anybody else. You'll be able to see this person is, uh, is, 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 is being used by Satan. This person is a distraction from Satan. This situation is not of God. This answer is not from God. You'll be able to pick it up. Most people can't pick it up. Uh, most people can't pick it up. Most people don't know whether it's from Satan or from God or from their own mommy and daddy. They don't know what, uh, they don't know how to live the life of God straight from God. They don't know how to live with everything coming from God. Every ounce and, uh, of wisdom and every uh, step in the right direction coming from God. This is the, the, the birthright of one who's, uh, who's living by the Holy Spirit. This is the sharp edge of one who's living by the Holy Spirit. Discernment. God gives. Why do you make so many stupid mistakes? Why do you walk into traps? Why do you find yourself regretting, regretting what you said, regretting what you know, regretting what you said, told people, regretting the decisions you made? Because you didn't have discernment. Why? Because you are you God, you have not asked God to set you free. You have not asked for the power of God to lead life, power enabled life. The second D is deliverance. Deliverance. Deliverance from habits, from hang-ups, and from hurts. Deliverance from habits, from hang-ups and Brother and sister, as long as you have not been delivered, you are being, uh, you are being, your life is being run by those things. Why? Because the straw is tied up. That's you, and you're watching the thief take as you are tied up. You're tied up. You're tied up in your in your unforgiveness. You're tied up in your habits, in your in your indulgences, in your drinking, in your in your in your uh, in your patterns of 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 thinking in what you think is right and what you think is holy uh, you you are tied up and you are watching your life be torn to smithereens you're watching your life being plundered your house being plundered while you're tied up you need deliverance you need deliverance so here's where we ask god lord there's this sin in my life and it's not just about confessing the sin it's about deliverance it's about saying lord satan has been a grip satan has me in a bind I am not able to give this up on my own. I need your help. And you have asked your care group to pray for you. That's when you're open and honest about your broken and your sins and your and your <clears throat> and your weaknesses. And small group instead of like full of judging and condemning each other in the church, we come around each other and we pray that wicked one out of your life. It doesn't happen because everyone wants to do doesn't happen because everyone wants to do on there because he knows that as long as you don't come together for prayer there's nothing to stop him worldly opinions habits getting you to do it your own way those are the chains that bind so discernment and deliverance
it's not easy for a person to just get up and walk out of a situation out of a relationship out of a habit out of a life pattern that has been for many years it takes hard it takes prayer persistent prayer to help people change it takes time it takes time it's not a battle it's not a battle it's not one bout in the boxing ring it's a war a war is built of many battles some lost some won some lost some won but eventually we will win this war to live in victory and to battle in prayer for others to win to live in victory and to battle in prayer for others is to get freedom and stay free to live in victory and to battle in prayer for others to get freedom and to stay free my brother and sister couple of things number 1 discernment and deliverance it's your birthright every day deliverance constant discernment it's your birthright you have every right to those two gifts that sharp edge of those who live in the spirit secondly every one of us is bound by something or the other every one of us is bound by something or the other because he will not come and try to steal your home without strong binding the strong man you get that i hope you get that so you ask the question satan wants to destroy me he's roaring like a like a lion wanting to wanting to devour how has he got me is there anything that he has does he have a foothold in my door does he have a foot in the door does he have does he have a stronghold in my life is there anything that i'm giving satan a chance to get a grip once he gets a grip he's able to then make his way into my house then he'll tie me up in some kind of a weakness some kind of a habit some kind of an obsession some kind of a sin and that's it and i'll watch him destroy my life take away plunder my my precious valuable things to live in victory and to battle in prayer for others to live in victory for others to get freedom and to stay free it is a holy calling it is a sacred engagement and to this we are called have a good night